3: Hello and a very warm welcome to the latest episode of the Total Saints podcast. This is our weekly get-together where we discuss all things relating to Southampton Football Club. Now we're live streaming our podcast on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter and Twitch. So if you're watching along and it's Sunday evening, you can leave your comments and questions as we go. As always, first up, a massive thank you to our TSP patrons who make all of this possible. You can visit patreon.com forward slash Total Saints podcast to find out more about getting involved. Coming up this week on the pod, a win. In the FA Cup fourth round against Blackpool at St Mary's. A few different faces in the starting eleven as well. So plenty to discuss with our panel tonight. There are two huge games this week. It's Newcastle first in the League Cup semi-final second leg. We'll look back at the home tie and preview the difficult away trip. And after the distractions of the Cup, it's back to Premier League action this weekend. With a visit to inform Brentford. I'll get everyone's thoughts on that game. And finally, with two days left of the transfer window... Who will this mystery 20 goal a season striker be? Maybe we'll find out later. My name's Martin Stark, and I'm joined this week by Steve Grant, who's the owner of Saints Web. Glenda LeCour is the writer of the blog League One Minus 10. And Alfie House is the Southern Daily Echo Southampton reporter. All underpinned by our TSP patrons, and with the greatest of respect, this is episode 219 of the Total Saints podcast. <laughs> Your home for everything Southampton FC. From dedicated Saints insight to exclusive interviews. Live on YouTube every Sunday and available to download wherever you listen to your podcasts. This is the Total Saints podcast. Now the last time we beat Blackpool in the FA Cup fourth round was back in 1976. And we all know what happened after that. So, Glenn, another win in the Cup, but it was quite hard to watch, wasn't it? No, nah, it was awesome performance. <laughs> no, it was um, first
0: half wasn't too bad. It was quite a slow paced game. I think Blackpool were sort of happy for us to have the ball in the first half, and we're not used to that, obviously. So it was a it was a little bit. Um, yeah, it was just a little bit slow. You know, we scored the goal from the free kick, courtesy of the wall jumping out the way, which I didn't realise at the time. I mean, you learn that when you first start playing football. You you stand there, and if the ball hits you, it hits you. So uh, I, I quite liked uh, Mick McCarthy's kind of comical response to uh, the fact that one of his players jumped out of the way. So, um, yeah, one them up half-time, but I thought we controlled it pretty well. And then at half-time, we seemed to make some changes in midfield, and um, Elianusi and Aribo seemed to push forward. And as a result, we just lost control in in midfield. Scored the second, probably a little bit against the run of play. It was just a a good, you know, little bit of play between uh, Pero and Sekumara. And and once they got once they got back to two one, through our usual all stand and watch defending, it, it kind of went to bits a little bit. And we didn't really do anything to wrestle back control of of that midfield. Kept giving the ball away and. In the end, though though Blackpool didn't really have, you know, a, a chance when they were when it was two one, we had to survive the, you know, the corners with the goalkeeper up in the last sort of couple of minutes. And uh, you know, so it it was a bit it was a bit edgy at the end and we could have ended up with a replay that no one wanted. But I guess the bottom line is it's a cup game. We've played, you know, we've rested a load of players, we've got over the line. And Nathan Jones managed to say something dumb in the interview again. Just for a change, so uh, yeah. So uh, all in all, I I guess the end justified the
3: means, just about. Yeah, Steve. The first team aren't exactly flying or or gelling. So were we surprised that with the changes, it, it took a while to, to gel yesterday, and we, we didn't see a, a convincing win? Um, yeah, not hugely. I think that was that was kind of pretty much what we
1: um what we expected. That a load of guys who have been kind of sat picking splinters uh for for the vast majority of the last couple of months have um then been thrown into thrown into action and they're not quite up to speed but i thought we were we were all right in patches we we moved the ball and play quite quite nicely i thought aribo was a lot better playing from deep which i mm. i don't think i was quite expecting to see yeah um either him being deep or looking better playing uh playing back there but yeah it was, it was i mean same old same old and that we get up, up and sort of in and around the penalty area and we um, don't really know what, don't really quite have the confidence or it's, it's it's either a lack of confidence or basically everybody having a huge dereliction of duty in that nobody wants to, nobody wants to kind of put their hand up and say, right, I'll do this. And so you end up passing it off to someone else and overplaying it. And eventually a defender sticks a toe in and the ball goes away. And it's immensely frustrating. But fortunately, set pieces are a thing. And therefore, you're allowed to score without a a defender putting in a tackle. And of course, I mean, as Glenn said, the the wall moving out of the way was was quite handy, as was the keeper taking a step in the wrong direction. Which, I mean, we see that a hell of a lot. It's mental. Like the wall's literally there to... To kind of block off the side that you're taking that step towards. So yeah, I mean, I don't, while the, the wall's done him no favors, I don't think the keeper covered himself in any glory either. Second half, yeah, we got we got disjointed, and it was it was yeah frustrating. Blackpool had a, had that little little sort of spell of five or ten minutes where obviously had that great chance where they went clean through, and the guys the guys tried to be really cocky and lob it over the keeper. And Caballero's pulled off a good save, and then he they had a great fit. game, I thought I thought, it was, and then uh, they and yeah he was he was good, um his kicking was a little bit ropey, but other than that yeah, um, that yeah, i mean it's it's not not something we're not used to with various keepers down the years. I remember the amount of, the volley of abuse that Paul Jones used to get every time he shanked a goal kick into the east stand at the dell, so yes yeah, it that's that's nothing new, but yeah it was it was frustrating, uh I mean, Walcott obviously had that chance towards the end to to make it safe where, I mean, I guess the sort of as the, the end would ended with the ball landing on the roof of the net and, and not in the back of the net, you kind of say, well, you probably should have passed it, but I think he was, he was probably within his rights to take a shot from there. Hmm. But yeah, as, as Glenn said, they didn't, I don't, I don't remember Caballero having a proper save to make after they got, after they got one back. So yeah, I think we were, well, yeah, a little bit harem scare in in terms of numbers in the penalty area. I think we kind of dealt with it okay. Um I mean Blackpool aren't great, are they, as their league position no. suggests. So no. I think even though we're obviously bottom of the league, we're the there is there is still a huge gulf between the divisions. Um, So you would expect us to be able to kind of keep them at arm's length, which I think, to be honest, we, we mostly
3: did. It's strange because normally it's late in the second half that the Premier League side tends to start to um, show their dominance and show their fitness. And, and Alfie, that didn't seem to happen for us. It was the opposite. But I guess, you know, we just needed to win. We're in the draw for the next round. We did that. Should we be picking over it too much or should we just be celebrating the fact we've got a win and, and we're into the next round?
4: Well, the beauty is that there's another massive game in 48 hours, so you can move on pretty quickly. But I think the, you, you, you know, the, the loss of control in the last sort of 25 minutes, um, 20 minutes of the game was probably a symptom of the fact that there were eight changes and Nathan Jones did want to use his squad and he was able to. So I think at that point, it was just a case of get the players on uh, off who, you know, you need for Tuesday, just keep them on the bench or in James Ward-Prowse, not even in the squad and try and get through the game and get a win. So I, I was pretty happy with that, ultimately. Um, the second half was a tough watch. Um, you know, I was a little bit nervous, but it was a good experience for them. And I thought... That was absolutely fine. Yeah, we saw a few guys back. Ahmed up. I think he might struggle to find his way back into the first team. To be fair, he looks a little bit not lightweight. Cause it's harsh, but he, he looks like he, he feels every tackle quite a lot at the moment. I think he wasn't quite yeah. ready. And I think even Jones admitted that it was a little bit of a rush to bring him back, but he just had to rest Sally and and the other guys that he could. You know, see with um, you know, Bednarik and all those guys cup tied. So uh, yeah, I think at the end of the day, you, you take the win into the fifth round of the tournament, and uh, Nathan Jones's fifty percent win ratio lives on. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, absolutely, um, Glenn. One player in particular sending out a message that he should definitely be in the side, and that was probably Roman who I thought had a really good game. Uh, A few others sending out some messages, perhaps as to why they're they're not in the team, or maybe why they should be sent back to Arsenal. (laughs) (laughs) That's
0: a bit of a leading question, there. (laughs) I have
3: to say. Um, Yeah, I mean, I
0: I don't quite understand why Roman Perot has found himself out of the team anyway, because he's our only sort of natural left back, and we're going to get onto this with the Newcastle game, which we're going to talk about, but I mean, just briefly here, we got absolutely hammered down that side against Newcastle. And you you can put, you can look at virtually every incident in that game and wonder, would it have been different if we'd have had a proper left back, including the winning goal. But I think Perot had a point to proof and he, you know, which is what you want to see from players who are, who are playing for the first time in three or four games or whatever. And, He's always been the player that's got stuck in and always given a hundred percent. Sometimes he seems to get a bit lost positionally in the in the course of games, but um, you know he's he stood out. And what more what more can you do in a team that doesn't score any goals? In um, you know to score goals from fullback or, or be a threat. Okay, it a free kick, but you know that was that was that second goal was was pretty good to continue his run and um, you know he started the move and finished it so that's that's great and and for for nothing else to, you know if nothing else to to have him in the team offering some sort of threat going forward is is what's needed so hopefully he's um, he's fit enough to be considered and I hope he plays on um, on tuesday i doubt it Mm-hmm. Um, I doubt that he will, because I think we'll still go with this hybrid defence thing. But I, I would certainly be uh, be happier with with him in the side. And and as and as you say, um, Maitland Niles is a strange player. He is so strange. He does some good things, and then he he mixes it up with like he's not really there. Uh, you know, like like the, like the game's just passing him by. Sometimes he just looks like, yeah, this is all too much effort for me. A very very strange player um it's one of the mysteries to me of modern football that he's still under contract to Arsenal for another year and a half you know when you think when you consider where they are as a club it it it, it's a strange one so I can't see him getting sort of like near the team I think you know the, the signing of the new lad from Luton that that pushes him further down in that position and um I can't see him getting in in midfield because Diallo's been playing sort of slightly better as well. So um yeah, I mean others uh Sekumaro I thought was was frustrating. He he doesn't get on the ball enough for me. He's he just seems to the game passes him by. And my mate Elianusi, every time he tries to pass the ball forward, he just gives the ball away. And I, I just I just find that incredibly frustrating. He's good at recycling it, passing it sideways you know, keeping hold of the ball that way. But as soon as he tries to do anything creative, it just it just doesn't happen. And I, I agree with what Steve said about Aribo. I thought Aribo was pretty good in the first half playing deeper. But as soon as he went further forward, he just wasn't getting on the ball. And he wasn't really sort of like, looked to me like he he kind of got a bit despondent and like he's, he stopped sort of demanding the ball. In that first half, he was, you know, he was really trying to get on the ball as many times as possible. I was um in the Kingsland. So in the first half he was kind of playing sort of on the left hand side and you could hear him talking to Orsich all the time and hmm. making sure he got the ball back from him and all that, all that sort of stuff. But in the second half he, he kind of got lost. So uh, so I think you know with the ex- with the exception of um Perot, I don't think any of the fringe players really put their hand up to play. But um you know, I mean I, I thought Lavier had a decent game in the main and Lianko played well at the back. I thought he was very, very solid and it was usually him who popped up to clear whatever danger there was. So uh, yeah, there was there were some decent performances out there, but I don't apart from Perot, I don't think Nathan Jones will have learnt anything
3: new. Alfie, I was gonna ask you about Orsich because obviously Nathan Jones came out afterwards and said actually he we need a bit more from him. I, I can't remember what the exact phrase was, but he, he was kind of saying he needs to adapt a bit more to the the Premier League.
4: Yeah, I just asked him what. What did he make of his first few appearances? I guess you can't really tell too much about a player this early on, but they bought him to have an immediate impact, so so you'd want him to do that, wouldn't you? Um, and he's he's obviously he trusts him, and he thinks he's a good player because he's his first start was at Newcastle and yeah, the, the the biggest game of the month, I suppose. Depending on how you look at the Premier League, um, I don't think he'll start again on Tuesday. Now, I think probably the the fact that he's played another was it sixty seven um, on on the weekend means he probably won't. But yeah, he just said that he needs to offer a bit more, but he's confident. It he, he was a. It was the answer we had to give, really. He said that he'll get there and, and all this kind of stuff. And you just have to hope that that comes in, in a few weeks rather than months.
3: Will's watching on YouTube tonight. He says uh, Mara should be starting in the league. And uh, Tom says, Maitland-Niles, not good enough. So lazy, the man doesn't want to run. Steve, I think Maitland-Niles, just before we move on to the Newcastle game, kind of divided the opinion because a few people I spoke to yesterday said actually he, he was all right. He, he he did okay. So he's, he's one of those players that a bit Marmite at the moment.
1: Yeah, and uh, I mean, I think we're, we're always... I think most of us are probably guilty of this. Once you've kind of made your mind up on a certain player, then you're then you're always looking for. Sorry, Glenn. Um, then, then, you're, then, you're, then you're you're always kind of if if you've decided they're rubbish, then you're always looking for the yeah. for the downside. you playing the Redmond role. If if you if you like them, then you're always going to um, look um, sort of accentuate the positives. But I mean, does he even know what his best position is? Uh, and the problem is that he's kind of now sort of painted himself as this sort of uh Swiss army knife, Jack of all trades. I'll, I'll slot in wherever you need me gaffer type thing. And actually, I mean, he's not particularly positionally sound. I don't think for a, for a fullback. And I mean, you've, you've seen at times, it's, I mean, his passing frustrates the hell out of me because you can see that he can clearly spot a pass he just then plays it 10 yards to the left far too often. And it's, it's infuriating because you can see he's, he's clearly got a very good football brain and his, um, his reading in the game is quite good. But yeah, just the kind of him reading the game and then telling his body how to kind of respond and, and do stuff doesn't quite, s- quite seem to be in sync. And I, th- I suspect that's probably just a product of being sort of shunted around different positions at different clubs all the time. Yeah. Can't, can't be, um
3: can't be particularly helpful. But it was a win and we're in the draw. Lots of positives from the weekend, um, which is cool fact a crocodile can't stick
0: out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com.
3: convincing win over Man City. We were still underdogs going into the semi-final against Newcastle. It ended with the 1-0 defeat. We're still in the tie going into Tuesday's second leg. Um, Glenn, we put up a good fight, but it seemed to be, for me, the same old problems coming back to us. Well, yeah. I mean, it, the first
0: half, it, it was unbelievable that we weren't behind. You know, we got away with, uh, with Jalind and putting the ball in the net and it, it hit his arm, apparently. Um, it's one of those ones you watch it
1: on the replay and you think, did it did it really
0: um you know you, you're obviously glad there's it
1: there's, missed. there's one angle that did show it, um, oh, right. it yeah, yeah yeah the angle from behind the chapel end i think you could see it reasonably <laughs> clearly yeah. but tv didn't show it very often they only showed that replay once
0: yeah well i get it that was up up our end and the referee sort of gave it you know he he so he seemed very certain so i kind of switched off at that point i thought well that's you know there must have been something either a foul or a handball mm-hmm. so uh, we got away with we got away with that. We got away with other stuff in the first half, where, as I highlighted earlier, the the def- the defence on the left hand side was all over the place, either Salasu or Orsic over there, and Almiron had a field day. So the first half, Chiletazar got booked because he got pulled out of the middle to try and cover the left hand side, and he absolutely mullered him. How I mean, it was um it was a yellow and a half that one. Um, it it looked bad, and I. You know, on another day, I wouldn't have been surprised if that had been a red card on his own because he took him out of full pelt, nowhere near the ball. And, of course, Newcastle, they've got some real rats in their team who are all around the referee. Right um, around the ref, yeah, like yeah. Villa. Yeah, and it's always the players who are not very good, like Sean Longstaff, you know, compared to the other players they've got. It's, it's almost like they uh, they say, well, you
1: can't play football very well, so we'll we'll, we'll make you the one who gets around the referee. Um, it's one thing that Eddie Howe's taken, taken from his time at Bournemouth is yeah, um, how to how to do all the dark arts and stuff and, and, and get away yeah. with it all the time. It's yeah. infuriating.
0: So we, you know, we got away with, we'll look at a couple over the bar, didn't he? And, um, and that and you know, Jolint and you know, that joke of a miss in the, um, in the second half, we just side it over an empty goal. And then, but we're at nil, nil and we have the, we have the glorious chance. I mean, that was, that was past the season from Alcaraz to put, mm-hmm. put Adams through. And, um, it's just one of those time stands still and you you see it's Adams, you know he's gonna miss. He knows he's gonna miss and he missed. And um you know, and with someone who was decent in that scenario, we won them up and the whole game changes. But yeah. um, you know, five minutes later we um we have another mess on the left hand side where it's it's a dozy over there now and he, he gets caught out and um and that's where the goal came from because Chiletta again got pulled out of the middle. Got absolutely skinned, and then, um, and, and that, that's where the goal happened. What do we have then? Oh, the red card, of course, <laughs> where he had to do something. And- no complaints about that. That's I guess. that's, that's, that's yeah. a good, good foul, that yeah, good, yeah. Foul, good yellow. Doing that kept us in it because if we if we lose 2 0, we're dead, completely mm-hmm. dead. It's not even worth going up there, <laughs> but uh, but Tony, you know, Tony get beat one nil and to sort of close it out and still only be one nil down means that we've got a chance but we obviously got to go out there and score twice because there's no way we're going 120 minutes without letting it go in so um (laughs) you know we've got to go out there with some sort of game plan to to put them under some sort of pressure but uh yeah it could have been worse um but it obviously could have been better and we're we're still in the game which i think is um certainly when the the red card or when we go one nil down to still be in the game i think is um you know, is all you can really
3: ask for. Is that what you made of the game, Steve? Were we lucky just to be the one goal down heading into Tuesday?
1: I mean, both both sides missed a hat for the, cha- hat for the presentable chances. They and weren't great, were they? No, I mean, I mean, I mean, given Newcastle's really tight defence, for us to have created that many clear chances, kind of must be doing something right, I suppose. It's just, yeah, it's just frustrating that the ball's not, just not falling for us. Um, Pope made a really good save from that Adams sort of hook shot on the turn. I don't think Adams could have done an awful lot more with that, really. The one where he's cleaned through. I kind—I do wonder whether that... You know, we had that virus with the pitch at the start of the season. Yes. It was causing, causing all kinds of problems with it just looking in absolute state. I do wonder whether that's still an issue. Because you look like... Um, I don't know if it's noticeable in the ground, but certainly on TV, it looks really bare. And looks really dry and, and as and you can you can always see so many of our passes seem I I don't know whether that's because we're just rubbish at passing or whether we are or whether the passes are they're they're just looking under hit because because the pitch is having an impact. His and first felt, touch
3: wasn't great though, to be fair was No, it, it wasn't.
1: But then part of the problem seemed to be that he kind of got ahead of the ball. Mm-hmm. And as a result, he's kind of having to contort himself a little bit to to, to hit the shot early, whereas ideally he'd probably had enough time for another touch. Yeah. Um, if the ball was actually in front of him properly, so I wonder whether you know, I just wonder whether the pitch is kind of holding up a little bit, and there's there's kind of a a slight sort of excuse to be made for um, for players in that situation. But is, is it every other team's pitch as well?
3: well yeah. <laughs> We'll add it to the list at the moment. We'll add it to the list. Um, Alfie, another one, nil. It's fine margins again, but it's
4: these fine margins that always seem to be going against us. yeah, it is. and we've said that a number of times Um, this season, but I felt the only thing that I thought was really quite strange about the, the the performance that was expected of them was, as Glenn's alluded to, the the whole left-hand side of the pitch. I just thought that that was a little bit weird. Um, you could see that it wasn't working and I, I probably would have changed that. I think if that had been, had that been changed, you, you don't know what the difference would be. I mean, Everyone said that Salis, who played really well at left-back, and I think he played really well for what I would expect of him. But I think Almiron must have rinsed him every single time he got the ball. Yeah. Every single time he got the ball. And he yeah, put it was the just ball- handy
1: that Almiron-, Almiron had absolutely no end product.
4: Yeah, well, well, he, he put the ball across for Jolenton to miss uh, an open goal, and then uh, someone did the same thing and then put the ball across for a goal. So I think that was a bit of a warning sign. But um, other than that, it was yeah, they did well. It was It was pretty decent to hold on. I think Nathan Jones came out and said um, yesterday after the game, completely unprompted, by the way, nobody even mentioned, um, the, the, anything to do with it. I think he said, the fans wanted me to go for a goal and get it to one or with 10 versus 11, um, but I had to put my pride aside and, and you know, keep us in the tie. Um, but I don't know why he said it, but he is right. Why he, did... Do do either Steve or or Glenn do any of you
3: get this? I mean this this annoyed me as well yesterday. It's like how well, how do you always, How do you always have to turn it around and, and have a look maybe we just wanted to see a goal. It could just be as simple as that. But yeah, so, you
4: know. I think so, I think he is right. Like the, the, Glenn's alluded to it as well. If you go up to Newcastle 2-0 down there's absolutely no point. You know, there's yeah. no point. You've wasted everybody's time. Anybody who spent two hundred fifty quid on a train ticket is furious. To go up there with one goal, you you keep it at one nil somehow by a miracle hundred and twenty minutes. You bring Willie Caballero on and you're guaranteed a penalty shootout win.
3: That's how we're gonna do it.
4: And ultimately let's
1: I mean, let's also sort of cover the the rule the disallowed equaliser where, I mean, Armstrong's just really unlucky there. It's by the, by the law, it's a, it's a handball and it's got to be given and, and no problem because it's more or less similar to what Joe Linton did in the first half, but he's just really unlucky because he's kind of falling over and the balls, the balls just hit him. Yeah. And actually if, if the ball comes off his, comes off his arm and the defender puts it in, actually that goal gets given because it's not deliberate and he's not the one that scored the goal. Yeah. So yeah, again, it's, like literally inches from that, from that goal being awarded.
0: If he doesn't play an air shot in the first place, we don't have to worry about it. Yeah. yeah. And that's, that, you know, that's, that was the frustrating thing for me when, because again, that happened in a blur again, right in front of me. And I had the right glasses on this time. <laughs> and I, I couldn't, I couldn't see a handball in real time at all. And mm-hmm. um, I just thought it was no goal. You know, I just thought it was, um, uh, Dan Byrne, I think it was, ended mm-hmm. up on the deck. And, uh, uh, cause, um, one of our players ran past and sort of rubbed his head, which was a sort of lovely condescending thing to do. And then it gets disallowed. So, yeah, at, at the time it was frustrating. But when I saw it later, you, you kind of, at the end of the day, it's his hand that's put the ball in the net, even mm. though he totally didn't mean it. So it is unlucky, but I uh, haven't seen it. I can see why it got disallowed. But uh, How have we
4: had two of those goals this season? How has that happened? Twice. Jay Adams and Adam Armstrong both handing it into the back the of the air shots yeah. and then punching it in, yeah. yeah. What's the shame. It isn't it?
3: Hmm. I want to talk about the positives. One of the highlights for me was the Newcastle fan wasting his flair on that first goal which got ruled out for uh, for VR that he didn't have another one <laughs> when they actually scored. Hmm. Glenn, do you want to go with Alcaraz? Because I thought he looked really good, actually. Um, yeah. Yeah, but but I feel- new, new signings that can come in and, and add something to the team straight away. Of of the two that started, he looked brilliant to me.
0: Yeah, he's, got, he's definitely got something about him, hasn't he? What I liked about him is that he was always looking to go forward. He was He seemed to... As is um, Nathan Jones's um, want, he seems to sort of like tactically change things all the time. So he started off as a as a number six next to Diallo, and then he sort of like came forward into the number eight role. He looks comfortable anywhere that you know that he played in that game. Always looking to pass the ball forward, and if you if you make runs, he will find you. It seems to be that that's that's his game. He was happy to get stuck in. He got a rather silly booking for pulling back Bruno, which kind of Stopped him defending quite how he was in the first half, but um, but no, I th- I, th- I thought he was excellent, and he's got that he's another one that's got a bit of devil about him, uh, like all Argentinian players seem to have. He's um you know he's 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 going to get stuck in, and he's going to get in the face of opponents. So I can see why he's going to you know be be someone that Jones is going to pick in the league as well, and if he can you know if he can carry on having. That sort of performance, then he's he's going to be a very important player going forward, and he will he will certainly give us something a bit more in midfield, and um, and then it will it will take some of the load off of um, off of James Ward-Prowse. So uh, yeah, overall, I thought I thought he had an excellent game. He played the whole game, didn't he? Didn't he play the whole ninety? Uh, yes. So you know. Straight off the plane, really. There's not, um, there's not an issue with, um, with fitness there, and uh, he's going to have to have a big game on, uh, on Tuesday. He's obviously going
3: to play. So he didn't play against Blackpool, so mm. uh, yeah. yeah, looking forward to seeing him play again. We might need another one in as well. Um, Steve, just on Diallo, I thought he had a good game. Seemed to be everywhere defensively, pretty decent. Just maybe that final ball was was lacking at at times. That the midfield. Looked pretty good on on Tuesday night.
1: Yeah, we were decent through the middle. I mean, partly because I think Newcastle seemed to kind of decide that they were just going to go down the flanks come what come what may. So we kind of had the had the run of things in in the centre of the park. But I mean, Sean sure, Longstaff is clearly there massively. Um, obvious sort of big pointing neon sign this is your weak link um, <laughs> this is your weak link here I mean given all the mon- all the players that they've got in all their other positions um, I find it absolutely incredible that he's get- getting games in this team and yeah we we tore to shreds didn't we for, for the vast majority of that Diallo yeah Diallo was good and it was in a I kind of I think a lot of us kind of felt that end of last season he kind of showed that he wasn't the guy to play the holding role Mm. but actually um in certain circumstances especially where you've got um someone who's as as good on the ball as Alcaraz very clearly is when you've got someone like like him in front of you then actually someone like diallo who's is really good at reading the game he's good at those those little sort of toe-in interceptions and then just offload it um offload it immediately usually to the side but he can play those little those little passes through tiny little spaces it's the it's kind of the longer range stuff where he where he struggles i think but yeah i, I thought i thought he was he was very good there and if he if he can keep that level of, level of performance up, then us actually having some competition for for places in the
4: centre midfield is going to be a very strange feeling, isn't it?
3: We've come a long way, yeah. The yeah, only thing it's, is it's a little
4: bit of hyperbole, but I think Nathan Jones actually spoke about Diallo on um, Friday when we spoke to him before the game. Sorry to cut you off, Martin, but he That's said right? that if you combined uh, Ibrahim Diallo's off the ball work with Romeo Lavia's on the ball work, he'd have one of the best midfielders in the world. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Maybe yeah, we need not, to start some sort of lab.
3: Like the Rocky Horror Show. The only other thing that still makes me really, really nervous is these split centre-backs and playing out from the goalkeeper. There was Because we were in the Northern for this one, and there was a couple of times where he just knocked it to, to Lianko and then Lianko plays it into midfield, and that's where it all goes from. That just makes me really nervous. I don't know if they were doing it at all yesterday, but I can see us getting caught out on that sooner rather than later. That just was a thing that really massively worried me. Alfie, can we turn it around? We've got to score two goals against the best keeper in the league. Um, what? How do we do it?
4: <laughs> well, I, I learned after the game that that was Nick Pope's 10th uh, consecutive clean sheet, wasn't it? Um, yes, yeah. best, best,
3: <laughs> best keeper in the land, isn't he? It's just to, ridiculous.
4: Uh... Yeah, well, Nathan Jones... Not,
1: in terms last, of last goal, player to score against him was Ramon
4: Perrault, wasn't it? Well, there you go then. Yeah. So the key is there, isn't it? Um, that's as simple as that, 2-1. Happy days. I don't know. I don't know if they can do it, to be of you, but I think there there is no expectation to do so, is there, um, really? You just, you just have to hope that, I think Nathan said that you, you hope for special things to happen. He cited that um, he was 2 nil down in a playoff semifinal with Yeovil like 20 years ago and they end up winning 5-2 and you want something special like that to happen again. So look, we go there with hope. Um, It'll be a good game and uh, fingers crossed.
3: Yeah, fingers crossed.
4: There's a bigger game,
3: arguably, on Saturday in the league, and that's a question that I've seen a lot of people asking. Glenn, is Tuesday night bigger than Saturday, or would you rather take the win on Saturday and get get the three points? There's
0: there's five days, isn't there, between the um, so I I I'm a great believer in playing the game that's in front of you. I mean, Mm -hmm. it it, it's obvious that you know the Blackpool game was the one to rest the players in. You know that that that's obvious, but but this this is huge. This Newcastle Mm -hmm. game, not. More so now because of the way they reacted when Chilet Azar got sent off. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I've got this ideal scenario in my head where Chilet <laughs> scores a header in the 95th minute oh. to, for us to win 2-0. <laughs> and he just, stand, stand, there, like, yeah, just yeah. standing in yeah, front yeah. of the whole bench. <laughs> Sorry, Give I appreciate it.
3: that. doesn't really translate if you're listening to no, the podcast. Really. We're, we're, we're <laughs> no, We're all doing the wave. I was, I was, I
0: was doing the, uh, yeah, the Jacob Murphy and mm. little, little I, boy. I genuinely forgot he was wave. a thing yeah I yeah don't
4: know play for them yeah but it's more. but
0: it's like you know I said about Sean Longstaff getting in the referee's face you take you take the rubbish player and he's the he thinks he's the big man so yeah, I I to quote Kevin Keegan, I would love it if we beat them. It would be fantastic because there is there is a narrative in the in the media that somehow Newcastle were, you know, this destined to win a trophy this year and, and everything. And everyone seems to have forgotten about the Saudi Arabia thing. So they've all booked
3: their hotel rooms, haven't they, for the, the yeah. final and yeah. sort of you know, how they're I, gonna I get it? Really, I really I really hope
1: we win and all of those hotel rooms are non refundable. Yeah,
3: <laughs> really great. That's
1: the ideal scenario for Tuesday. <laughs> so you know,
0: I'd love you know, we've got we've got a punch's chance going up there, but we have to throw some punches you know um so you know hopefully we we can go out there and give it a good go okay. back to the original yep. question yeah probably question. We
1: can't win it on the on a homer simpson style knockout can we <laughs> <laughs> um so no so no i i disagree i think
0: you 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 know you forget about a brentford game until after newcastle's over mm-hmm. but when you know when we go to brentford we have to it's a I mean, it's a similar game in lots of ways. You're playing against a big physical side who, if you don't stand up to them, are going to run all over you. And that's what happened when we played Brentford last year, where it was probably, in a crowded field, the worst performance of the season. And, you know, we were awful. And, of course, everyone knows that's the one where... The, the away fans on mass first turned on um that on was Ralph. a
3: huge um, turning point wasn't yeah. it in regards to the manager and well, the no, it was kind of, i think it was yeah it was kind of the straw it'd that broke building, it had yeah, been building
0: hadn't it it was so um no i think i mean brentford is a very is a very very difficult game they're they're very set set up in their system they got an excellent manager who i hoped we were going to appoint but we didn't yeah so th- that is a very tough game at brentford and um again we have to we have to concentrate on that one after this newcastle one as far as i'm concerned
3: Okay, what have you made of Brentford um, so far this season, Steve? Because we need to preview that game because that's on Saturday. So we're not obviously it was Sport Republic's first game, wasn't it? When we um, absolutely yeah. them at St Mary's, and then contrasting fortunes couldn't be any different when we were for the last there. So what have you made? Because they they seem to be back in form.
1: Yeah, they've um, they've got themselves into a position now where they're they're kind of comfortable in their own skin. I think they're they're issued more or less this time. Well, what was it? early january last last year when um when we absolutely smashed them was they were on that bad run of uh, run of form and just didn't seem to really have any confidence in the way they were playing anymore the keeper was out injured so they had a backup in who mm. wasn't as good at playing the system as as uh, david rayer is and the defense was giving away silly goals i mean now you've got pontus Janssen doesn't get in that team anymore so they've they've obviously improved in personnel um, the midfielders got stronger. I mean, more or less immediately after we um, after we beat them, they went and signed Christian Eriksen, um for the rest of the season. And that was essentially the signing that kept them up because all of a sudden the game was being played through him and the, the experience and the quality that he brings just encouraged the rest of the players to to bring it up a level. Um, obviously, they weren't able to keep hold of him, but they've made signings to to plug that gap now. I mean, it'd be interesting to see what happens off the field in terms of Ivan Tony's betting um situation because mm-hmm. there's a possibility possibility that could be a sizable ban if he's if he's sort of found guilty on all counts and stuff. Given that Joey Barton was was banned for what, eighteen months for about three times the number of bets. So and he's I mean, a top
3: scorer isn't he with is it thirteen goals this season. Yes, so.
1: yeah. I mean they I mean without without him they don't look the same team. And Bremo's a good player but he's a good player alongside Tony um i don't think um is quite the sort of player you want playing um playing that role the sort of target man role cuz i mean let's 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 be fair with with Brentford they're a direct team um they do get as well as being able to being able to play they're absolutely more than happy to pump the ball long to tony and um let the ball stick and play and play off around him so you've got to be, you've got to be sort of willing to to play that battle as well as the sort of neat and tidy stuff through the centre and midfield that they that they play. So yeah, it's kind of a two pronged um, system that they play. Um, so we've got to get get to grips with that, which we absolutely didn't do there in uh, when was that middle
3: early May, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So do you think Alfie, we're going to end up with the tallest defenders get picked, and that's how it, it goes? Because <laughs> he's obviously talked about. I know he said after Tuesday night, he said for example, we're we're getting better defensively, but. We're going to have to be a hell of a lot better if we're going to Brentford and, and hoping to get something out of that game.
4: Yeah, and I think um, he actually mentioned that James Breeze, I've seen James B reported as like five foot seven, five foot eight. apparently six foot one. That's what James told us on Friday. So he's just signed another another one of those that you can add to the the land of giants, as he calls it. But <laughs> Brentford are actually very good defensively as well. This side of the yeah. break, they've been very good. I think mean, they've played the last five games, they've conceded twice and they played Liverpool and West Ham twice in that time. Yeah. Um, they're, they're in good form when is Ivan Tony actually getting banned I talk about my fantasy team and that's really <laughs> really gone poorly for me um, but I think like you say last season was so was was so poignant I know it was all a build up but that um, when the, the fans turned on Ralph Haskell and uh, he came in and uh, you know he never really looked at us the same way again um, he, he bit to our answers and stuff so that was an interesting game back in May but yeah interesting what happens I, I, I'm same as Glenn I haven't thought about Brentford at all I've got to be honest i thought only about Newcastle in the last couple of days and I'm not that like, I'm preparing for the game to get out there with boots on or anything but just to even, but just even. I can't even think about next Saturday.
3: Of course, there's because there's so much to happen. We've got the game on Tuesday night, and of course, the transfer window closing. So Mm. we can talk about who might start up front or who might start in midfield. There might be somebody coming in that that we're not aware of. Hopefully, (laughs) Mm. (laughs) he says looking skywards. I'm going to ask you all for a score prediction in just a moment. Um, If you're watching live on Sunday night, you can stick your score predictions uh, in the comments as well for the uh, the Brentford game, which is on Saturday. Steve, do you want to go first with a prediction? I mean, I I think. Depending on how Tuesday
1: goes, I think emotionally there's going to be a bit of a sort of there's bounce. A, there's a lot of so, ifs and buts, isn't there? Yeah, all? So, I, so I suspect um, Saturday's probably a little bit of a free hit and they might just about, they'll probably edge it. Um, so I suspect 2-1, 2-1 uh, defeat. 2-1 loss. Uh,
3: Glenn, I'll come to you next.
1: Yeah, I
0: I've, I think Brentford always remind me of Brighton in one way in that you, you seem to be able to take a player out of their team and they've got someone else to slot in and they do the same job. So if Tony's playing or if he's not, they I, he was missing a game a couple of weeks ago, injured, and they brought in Visser, who mm. did a very similar job. Another sort of big lad up front who's quite quick. So so I think we're going to struggle, to be honest, and I'll, I'll go for a 2-0 defeat in that Brentford game. See, they've broken me. I can't be positive anymore. <laughs> <laughs> <Broken>.
3: <laughs> I am going to go with a 1 0 defeat because
4: I can't see who's keeping the clean sheet. And
3: Alfie? I'm playing the
4: percentages. I've gone 1 all in both the last two games. They've lost 1 0. So I'm going to go 1 all again. <laughs>
3: right thank you for the predictions as well hopefully we'll have some new faces in by saturday i want to spend the last couple of minutes that we got together just chatting through some of the the transfers that have happened some of the rumors already seen people mentioning in the comments names of players we've been linked with let's start with james Bree, alfie i know you you mentioned him coming in from luton good price i assume that the wages are fairly reasonable experienced player knows the manager seems on the face of it not the most glamorous of signings, but perhaps a no-brainer.
4: Yeah, we'll be able to assess this one come May, though, won't we Really, like, like in August when we were, uh, well, personally, I was saying about what a great window it was, and then it emerges that, in fact, you know, it wasn't a great window. Um, they, they, they've sorted out the defence, if it works, very well, haven't they? They Very cheaply, very smartly. they brought Jan Benderet back, and Nathan's pretty happy with that. And they've got James Bree, somebody who knows very well, um, somebody who's tall, physical, has good set-piece qualities as well, apparently not that they'll ever get to take one. Um, I can't imagine Jesus Christ rested again this season so if they've done it if they if it goes well they've done it very cheap they've done it smartly and um yeah, fair enough wise or not we'll see
3: the counter argument I guess to that Glenn is that it is um disrupting the pathway to the mm-hmm. first team for some of the youth players and there's been a lot of noise about that this week and and some players mm-hmm. um maybe not signing contracts or talking about getting away to to get game time that's not what we were always famous for this this pathway suddenly isn't so clear no it's not
0: I can't help but think with the James Bree signing that this means Kyle Walker Peters is off in the summer I kind of think they've got in there to secure James Bree for not very much money because I mean it's not really a you know to cover Tino short term because you know we got we we got Maitland-Niles for the rest of the season that that covers that so it it on on one hand, it does it does seem like we've got one too many players there, especially with Lewis Payne being sort of like highly thought of.
3: Hmm.
0: So uh, i i can't I can't see what's Walker Peters' contract situation. Is it one more year after this one?
3: It was a pretty long deal, wasn't it? These signed, yeah. but um, yeah, I'd, I'd have thought another year at least after this one, perhaps.
0: Yeah, because I, I I think that we were making noises about extending his contract, but I think Jacob reported that there was a few players sort of waiting to see where we ended up next season mm. so uh, I think, uh enough, I think yeah yeah absolutely so it's um yeah I, th- I think it may it may have one eye on next season and there being one less right back so maybe it's not going to adversely affect lewis payne's chances coming through but uh but the story you're talking about is obviously the jimmy joe morgan one with him mm. not um not signing a professional contract and uh yeah i mean there's there's two ways of looking at it isn't there On the on the one hand you you think well we've developed you for all these years, you at least owe us to sign one contract. But on the other on the other hand, if you're a if you're a striker on the top of your game playing in the B team and you're looking at what's going on in the first team, you are beginning to think, why am I not getting you know, why am I not getting a look in here? So I can see that one from both sides. But uh, hopefully it works out and uh, you know, he, he does he does get a chance if um, if as seems likely we struggle to get in uh, someone who can stick the ball in the net.
3: That seems like that's gonna be the big problem, Steve. I know um we need to get someone in that's better than an on paper. Some finding someone that can score more goals than Che Adams and Adam Armstrong shouldn't be difficult, but it, it, it seems like they're they're leaving it to the last minute.
1: Yeah, I mean it's one of those where I mean strikers are especially in January are always worth their weight in gold, aren't they? And it's um you especially with our position in the food chain, you're essentially having to wait to see what the bigger clubs are doing with their squads who's who's available who they want to keep hold of just in case of a sort of injury crisis and things like that, and see what kind of scraps we can we can feed off of i mean I see we've been linked been being linked again with players from from france and which is which is all well and good, but there's there's usually an adjustment period. And especially if it's a young player, then you're thinking not it's not only an adjustment to the pace of the game, it's a it's kind of an adjustment just in general life, and that takes time. I don't I don't think you can I don't think we could really uh, pile the pressure on a 22 year old lad who's maybe scored double figures in in League One uh, this season and so, say right you're going to be the guy that's going to um, single handedly keep us up. So I think you kind of almost hope that we're looking for someone sort of at the other end of their career as a stopgap just to just to kind of plug a gap and then hope that our scouting is is on point for the summer and that we can get a deal done without, um, without someone at Bournemouth throwing, um, <laughs> throwing stupid money around and I see um, see that Nicholas Jackson deal um, fell through because he's, he's got a dodgy hamstring, but that was kind of an illustration of a deal that we' effectively had done
3: it is a serious you know we joke about bournemouth and i have quite a bit this week um and in recent weeks of course but um that is uh, you know it did feel like we have been doing all the legwork on some of these these transfers identifying them and then they're coming in and and if they're outbidding us and offering more wages then you know we're slipping even further down that that food chain
1: but bournemouth have, have offered have always offered big wages since they came up um they had like wilson ake um begovic players like like that rule all on all on six figures a week their their wage bill was absolutely extraordinary um for those, big, big, for those for those six years big washing years. machine down there <laughs> indeed yeah um it's yeah i mean the, how they how they can possibly justify um that outlay i mean of, i mean with a new owner coming in there are there are ways around it and stuff but yeah it's it's all a little bit strange, a little bit eye-opening, I think, for um, for those interested in the sort of murkier and financial
3: side of things. Do you enjoy the next couple of days, Alfie, or is it a bit of a nightmare for you? Mark, for example, has mentioned the the Lucas M- uh, Mora thing again from from Spurs. That one seems to come around every transfer window, and, and I know you have to investigate these and you have to look into them. So, is it is it exciting for you as a journalist, or are you just pleased when that window closes and you can just relax for a little bit?
4: Yeah, the the August one was exciting, to be fair, wasn't it? I think you know they were doing a lot of things. Um... And we knew there was going to be sort of three or four at least on deadline day. You were hoping for that fifth, which would have been a forward, but obviously never happened. It's made more difficult this year, obviously, by the fact we've got to go to Newcastle on a Tuesday. So we're travelling up tomorrow. Um, I can't wait, personally, for the window to shut. I think it's just it's just too much. Um, just constantly on the timeline, just exploding with various names. Who one minute ago you hadn't heard of, but all of a sudden they're the best forward to ever kicked the ball, and it's like, well, I've now got to spend the next hour of my life looking after it. But uh, yeah, I, I just hope they get something done. It's a lot better when they do things. So if they can get the forward in, everyone will be happy, we'll be buzzing. But if they end up with somebody who um, you know who they're not happy with, then, yeah, it won't be as fun.
3: And let's Glenn assume that we don't um get mm. anybody in. Are we confident that we we've we've got enough and that he can he can turn it around?
0: Uh I'm not. Um but <laughs> we you know we're we are where we are. as, as Steve said, we just gotta hope someone falls falls into our laps really with it, you know, it's it's gonna be Tuesday night while the game's going on. <laughs> so um yeah, Tuesday night obviously we're gonna beat Newcastle and then we're going to sign a centre-forward at, uh, at 1 minute to 11. And uh, and the world's going to be a better place. And get a and decent I,
3: draw in the FA Cup. And then we'll be happy going into the weekend.
0: And I said all that with a straight face. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not overhyped with the, um, with the thought of signing another young winger from France. Um, not least because Nathan Jones doesn't really like wingers. Yeah, you know, well, he wants to make them. You know, he wants so them to be sort of
3: tall and aggressive.
0: Yeah, but he wants full. You know, he wants them to be able to double as fullbacks as well. And he's he's done it with Orsich and he's done it with a Dozy. Mm-hmm, so yeah. uh, I don't I don't really know why we're we're looking at another winger. That's not going to cheaper. That's not going to yeah, possibly, but it's not going to free up someone else to play centre forward. I mean, the one thing I will say about this is that Che Adams is still our best striker mm. by a long way. I mean, even in the the. The, you know the 20 minutes he played in the Newcastle game he had you know two chances and um set up another chance by winning ahead header sort of thing so we we're just going to have to if if we don't sign anyone we're just going to have to go with him and um and you know just hope that he gets a bit of confidence about his um about his finishing
1: um, just has one of those little runs that yeah. he has yeah but i can make it slightly longer this time make it 10 <laughs> games rather than two
0: yeah i mean we got we got we got to ask ourselves as, as supporters would you rather sign anyone like you you could sign someone from the championship i mean we got linked with that victor yokarez at coventry for a while and Mm. on if if you were signing him at the start of the season you'd think okay that's the sort of player that maybe you know we'll see how he gets on like like we did with adam armstrong and and che and he'll either work or he or he won't would you be happy with signing someone like that at this moment in time at least he's Played in the English game, and he presumably speaks English, so there there won't be a, a sort of that sort of adjustment. Or do we sign someone we've never heard of and potentially end up with another Guido Carrillo, where you know you think, oh, it's a you know he's 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 got some sort of track record abroad, but what's what's he going to be like coming into the English game? It, yeah. it, it is going to be a difficult one, and uh, I don't really know. What what I'd be happy with. So I think, with as far as this is concerned, I'm just going to. Um...
3: And that's why we're not in charge of the recruitment, I guess, isn't it? <laughs> smile, smile, and let it wash over me. Well, with <laughs> with the, with the, the with, <laughs> and I mean this the best way. I hope you have a really busy night on Tuesday, Alfie. I hope you're. Mm. Uh, Researching players and writing up about all the story, uh, all the signings that are coming in. Whatever happens or doesn't happen, of course, we'll be back next Sunday night to discuss everything. Don't forget you can follow Total Saints Podcast on Facebook and Twitter. You can get in touch with us there. It's at Total Saints Pod. The website is totalsaints.co.uk there's a link on there to our online shop as well and of course as I mentioned at the start we're on Patreon that's where you can support the podcast with a monthly contribution it's patreon.com forward slash saints podcast that's where you'll find us on there some different tiers ranging from £5 to £20 a month and each one comes with different perks including some weekly shout outs at the end of the pod for those in our Francis Bernali and our Mick Shannon tier so thank you to Dave Melton, Mark Atkins and Matt Hall in the Franny Bernali tier and also to Colt Baker, Dave Ernzberger, Ed Busy, Nick Higston, phil cook, Matt Rose and Nick Reed who are all in our Mick Shannon tip. Thank you Steve, thank you Glenn. Uh, thank you Alfie, enjoy your trip to Newcastle on Tuesday. Safe trip to everyone who might be going up there and we'll be back next weekend. We'll see you then.
2: Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants. 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.